Okay, good morning. Welcome to class 25. We'll review question 24 today, and then we'll read and learn question 25 together. Sorry, review question 24 and then learn question 25. Uh, let's begin with prayer. Father in heaven, thanks for gathering us together this morning in this place uh, to worship you and uh, to be together as a church family. We thank you for the work that has been put into this catechism so that we could come along behind and read these questions and read these answers and memorize them and most importantly all that so that we would know you. So help us today as we inch along to know you more so that we would love you more deeply. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's go back to question 18 and do some review. We'll say the question, we'll say the answer together. I'll read the question. 18. Will God allow our disobedience and idolatry to go unpunished? No. Every sin is against the sovereignty, holiness, and goodness of God and against his righteous law. And God is righteously angry with our sins and will punish them in his just judgment, both in this life and in the life to come. Question 19, then. Is there any way to escape punishment and be brought back into God's favor? Yes, to satisfy his justice, God himself, out of mere mercy, reconciles us to himself and delivers us from sin and from the punishment for sin by a redeemer. Question 20, who is the redeemer? The only redeemer is the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God in whom God became man and bore the penalty for sin himself. Question 21, what sort of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? One who is truly human and also truly God. Question 22, why must the redeemer be truly human? That in human nature, he might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin and also that he might sympathize with our weaknesses. And then question 23, why must the Redeemer be truly God? That because of his divine nature, his obedience and suffering would be perfect and effective and also that he would be able to bear the righteous anger of God against sin and yet overcome death. And then finally, the question and answer we memorized this past week. Question 24, why was it necessary for Christ the Redeemer to die? Since death is the punishment for sin, Christ died willingly in our place to deliver us from the power and penalty of sin and bring us back to God. By his substitutionary atoning death, he alone redeems us from hell and gains for us forgiveness of sin, righteousness, and everlasting life. Okay, let me take that answer off. 
Okay, any kids today want to publicly answer question 24? Okay, Titus, why was it necessary for Christ the Redeemer to die? You want to think about it, Titus? All right, Miles, how about you? Why was it necessary for Christ the Redeemer to die? Nice job. Nice job, Miles. It's okay, Titus. Sometimes when you're being asked in front of people, you can freeze up. That happens to me all the time. That's why I write everything down. Okay, we'll go. That's right. Right here. Question 24. Why was it necessary for Christ, the Redeemer, to die? Perfect. Nice job. Are you going to do it too? All right. You ready? Stand up. Why was it necessary for Christ, the Redeemer, to die? Okay, nice job. You want to do it too? Not yet? Okay, uh, do you want to do it? Is that why your hand's up? <laughs> Jumping up and down? All right, Alexander, why was it necessary for Christ, the Redeemer, to die? Excellent. Sorry. Throwing that at Olivia. Okay. Stella, why was it necessary for Christ the Redeemer to die? Nice job. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Looks like I got to get gum this week. I'm running low. Okay, let's say one more time together. Question 24. Why was it necessary for Christ the Redeemer to die? Since death is the punishment for sin, Christ died willingly in our place to deliver us from the power and penalty of sin and bring us back to God by his substitutionary atoning death. He alone redeems us from hell and gains for us forgiveness of sin and ever. Excellent job, all of you. All right, so that brings us to question 25. Our question this week is, does Christ's death mean all our sins can be forgiven? So it's a clarifying question. Does Christ's death mean 
all our sins can be forgiven. And this is good news. Let's say it together. Yes, because Christ's death on the cross fully paid the penalty for our sin, God graciously imputes Christ's righteousness to us as if it were our own and will remember our sins no more. Let me say it again. The answer, does Christ's death mean that all of our sins can be forgiven? That sounds too good to be true. So is that really possible? And we're learning that it is. Because Christ's death on the cross fully paid the penalty for our sin. You remember those words that Jesus said on the cross before he bowed his head and died, bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Do you remember what he said on the cross? It is what? Finished. It is finished. In other words, his death on the cross fully paid the penalty for our sin. It wasn't a partial payment. It wasn't a down payment. His death was full payment. So because of that, God graciously imputes, which means credits something to our account that we didn't earn, that we didn't merit, that we didn't deserve. He graciously imputes Christ's righteousness to us. So I don't have a righteousness in and of myself. And we'll look at the verses. So God gives me the righteousness of Jesus to us as if it were our own. So God sees us if we are forgiven sinners. He sees us as righteous as Jesus is. He gives us his goodness. God, therefore, God will remember our sins no more. So this has been called by theologians the great exchange, right? There's this exchange that takes place. Jesus gets the bad end and we get the good end. There's a double imputation, which means that we impute something to Jesus and Jesus imputes something to us. We give Jesus something he doesn't deserve and he gives us something that we don't deserve. We impute to Jesus or our sin is imputed to Jesus. So our sin, he takes on our sin. He didn't commit our sin. He didn't conceive our sin. He didn't carry out our sin. You know that you did and, and I did. But that was credited to his account. And then he paid the price for that sin. And then he gives to us, he imputes to us his righteousness. So all that debt that we racked up, Jesus took it. And he paid it off. And then he gives us the glorious, the great benefits of that payment. So let me give you a few scripture references and then I'll read them. Second Corinthians, probably the most well-known. Second Corinthians 5.21 for our sake, so for us as believers, God made him, it's Jesus, God made Jesus to be sin. Who knew no sin. So Jesus knew no sin 
And God made him to be sin. Why? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, if we're in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, a few more. Jeremiah This is in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31, 34. And no longer, this is speaking of days in the future. I believe these days have come. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they, that is believers, shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity. Iniquity is just another word for sin. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. He doesn't remember our sin. He doesn't count our sin against us. He doesn't hold our sin against us. Have you ever had somebody do something uh, bad to you? Maybe they sinned against you. Somebody hurt your feelings. And... They apologized and asked forgiveness and you said, I forgive you. And then maybe some time went by. Maybe it was a few weeks, maybe it was a few months, maybe it was even a few years. And they did something else and it reminded you of them doing that weeks or months or years before. And then maybe I've done this before. It's, it's a terrible thing to do, but maybe you brought it up. You brought it up to them. Remember when you did this? Remember when you did that? Well, that means I didn't actually forgive them. Because to forgive means to let go. It means to forget in that sense. Not to mean that you can't can't get it out of your memory. We don't have control over that necessarily. Sometimes God takes it, but can't get it out of our memory. But we forget it. We We let it go. We don't hold it against somebody. If we forgive them, then we give them a clean slate. It's like when your kids that. Maybe you've done that with your kids. I've done that with my kids, sadly, where that's come up. And I've said, you know, you're maybe I'll just say it suddenly like you're doing this again. You're do, you remember you did the same thing last week and the same thing last month. Well, God doesn't treat us that way. He does not hold our sins against us. He does not bring them up again. He does not remind us of our past sin. We remind ourselves, but he doesn't. He says right there in Jeremiah 31, I will forgive their sin and I will remember their sin no more. Hebrews 8:12. For I will be this is looking back to the Old Testament. For I will be merciful toward their sin and I will remember their sins no more. And now let me read you from Psalm 103. And these are, I debated reading the whole psalm. I'm just going to read verses 6 through 14. But this really, in figurative language, this really gets to what is happening here. And what Jesus does when when he forgives us, what God does when he forgives us of our sin. So let me read you these verses. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed or pushed down. 
He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding or overflowing in steadfast love. He will not always chide or discipline, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. This is the good news of the gospel that there's a way that we deserve for God to deal with us because we're sinners. And he doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. Now, let me ask you a question. How high are the heavens above the earth? Would anybody know? Like, super high. We don't know. That's the point. As high as the, how high are the heavens above? I mean, we can see pretty far above the earth. Pretty far, right? Millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of miles, right? And light years we can see out into space. I mean, I don't know. The heavens are out there somewhere. The real place. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, that high, that great, so great, just like that, is His, God's steadfast love toward those who fear Him. He gets back to sin now. As far as the east is from the west. So let me ask you another question. How far is east from west? That's a weird question, right? I mean, east is that way. I think East is that way. And west is that way. So east is, is going in that direction. And west is going in that direction. Now how far in that direction does east go? Super far. It just, it just keeps going. I don't know. It just goes east. How far does west go in that? Like does west go a trillion miles and then it starts going east? No. So you see what he's saying. So like that. So you've got... You've got You've got two things moving apart from each other. As far as the east is from the west, so just like that, so far does he remove our sins from us. So here I am, and I sin. And Jesus takes me one way, and he takes my sin another way. How far apart does he take me and take my sin? Really far. He takes me west. He takes my sin east. He takes me east. He takes my sin west. Infinitely, infinitely far. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. We should remember that too. Okay, let me just now read you a few quotes and then we'll close in prayer after we review this one more time. Uh, Richard Sibbs, he said, And if all our sins laid upon Christ could not take away God's love from him, shall they take away God's love from us? I thought that was a really interesting thing to think about. So here Jesus took all 
the sin of the world on his shoulders and that didn't remove God the Father's love from him ultimately. So how much more are we securing God's love having our sin being taken from us? And then Alistair Begg said, uh, he said this, some years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer, this, this helped me, my great concern was that the surgeon would get it all. I wasn't really interested in a cure that was only partial. And when we think about Jesus bearing our sins, the mystery and wonder of the gospel is that he deals with all of them. He gets all the cancer. Gets everything out. And then finally, let me read to you uh, part of one of the songs we sing uh, by Augustus Top Lady. It's called Rock of Ages. This was, this was funny, kind of off topic. For the longest time, I don't know if you remember this, Avery, but Avery thought the song was Rock of Asians. <laughs> so, so we would hear her singing Rock of Asians. <laughs> no, it was you, sweetheart. It was really cute. It was, re yeah, it was really cute. It was really cute, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was you. <laughs> okay, but it was Blaze. Is Blaze, is Blaze here? It was Blaze. It was Blaze, okay. <laughs> okay. So let's, uh, let, me, let me quote this to you. Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Okay, let's recite this one more time together. Question 25. Does Christ's death mean all our sins can be forgiven? Yes. Because Christ's death on the cross fully paid the penalty for our sin, God graciously imputes Christ's righteousness to us as if it were our own and will remember our sins no more. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this truth. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to, to die on the cross to fully pay the penalty for our sin. And thank you for giving us his righteousness. Help us to remember this, to live in this truth, pleasing you, honoring you, glorifying you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.